It's Window Nation's semi-annual sale, and it's a big deal. Right now, get 50% off all windows along with no interest for five years plus bonus savings when you schedule a consult today. If your windows leak, get foggy or hot, or you're paying high utility bills, that's a big deal. With Window Nation's semi-annual sale, you can replace your windows and save a big deal, too. Schedule a no-obligation in-home estimate now. Call 866-90-NATION or visit windownation.com. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance, too, with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. You could spend the weekend doing the same old whatever, or you could conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. Hey guys, John Barchard here, and the playoffs are in full swing, which means that fantasy football season is sadly over, right? Wrong. With one-week fantasy football at DraftKings, the fantasy football season does not stop until the games do. So while your season-long league is done, it is not too late to draft a new team and start winning money while doing it. At DraftKings, there are so many different ways to play. You can choose from public contests with huge cash prizes or private contests where you can compete against your friends. They even have beginner and casual contests where you can play against people of similar skill level. And the best part is you get to draft a new team every week. And drafting a team is arguably the best part of fantasy, am I right? Aside from winning cash, that is. Huge cash prizes and bragging rights await only at DraftKings. And right now, just use the promo code BGNR at DraftKings.com to play for free with your first deposit for your share of hundreds of thousands of dollars in total cash prizes this Saturday. But hurry, Saturday's going to be here before you know it. The Eagles will be kicking off, and then you'll forget about it. So make sure to get to DraftKings.com right now to choose your lineup, and you can play for some serious cash on Saturday. That's promo code BGNR, only at DraftKings.com. This episode of BGN Radio is brought to you by Clip It, the hottest app that is out there. Watch TV, make clips, and share. For more information, check them out at ClipIt.tv or check them on Twitter at ClipItTV. You're listening to BGN Radio. Stars up over the ball. This will be it. Stars back to throw. He takes time. He throws over the middle. It's caught at the 15. Running hard to the 7-yard line. And down on the 7 is Jim Taylor. The game's over. The game's over. The Eagles are the champions of the world. Listen. All right, welcome into the preview show, BGN Radio, episode number 292, and it's a playoff edition. Eagles and Falcons here to take you through it. I am Vince Quinn, and of course, the managing editor of BleedingGreenNation.com. He's with the team uh, at practices and all that kind of stuff, covering it with Bleeding... Yeah, I can't even speak. I'm so excited. BleedingGreenNation.com. What is up, BLG? Vince, you are ready for this. I am ready for this. Playoffs. 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 Yes. I love it. And and there is um there's a lot of energy with this game, BLG. I don't know if it's just the coffee I had before the show, but I, I feel like you feel it with everyone you're starting to talk to this week. There's just like an awakening where people realize we have playoff football in this city. And even if people haven't felt so great about the team, to be here in this moment, to have the Atlanta Falcons come to town, I, I am so jacked up for this. How are you feeling? I mean, you got to be. It's uh, it's a spot the Eagles haven't been in since 2000 and their, their 2014 playoff game against the Saints. Um, this is this is what it's all about, man. I mean, as for as much as you know, the Eagles Super Bowl odds and their chances certainly took a hit with Carson Wentz getting hurt. I mean, there's still games to be played in the playoffs. They're still in the number one seed. I mean, let's go! Like you know, this is a big game that we have here on Saturday. It's to me, you know, the Eagles are underdogs, and we'll be talking about that a lot in this one. But they're, you know, this is a game that look. We said, at least I think most of us said, that the Falcons were the team that we wanted the Eagles to play if they got a chance at picking any playoff team in the NFC. So now they're here. It's in Philadelphia. The Eagles beat this team pretty good. 
last year. You know, they came into Philadelphia. They they were this high flying, record breaking offense, and Jim Schwartz's defense, you know, just held them to season lows. So, I mean, you have to have some kind of level of optimism going into this game. You have to be excited. Well, yeah, and let's let's start with going back to last year because I think when you're talking about the Atlanta Falcons and what they're going to be bringing to the table this week. I think it's pretty clear that they're not last year's team, and, and that's that's really important to understand. They're just not that high-flying, big-time passing offense. When you go back to last year, if I remember correctly, they were, in terms of efficiency, like yardage per play and all this different stuff, they were a top-10 offense all time, which is insane. Yeah. So to get that and expect that again uh clearly not the case this year Kyle Shanahan is out with the 49ers now and uh Steve Sarkeesian has taken over the play calling and and so offensively let's start there uh clearly not the same team and and for me BLG when I when I consider the Falcons if, if I had to rate them in terms of their quality as an offensive unit I would just say they're okay uh, I really don't think they're incredibly um, consistent, and and that's their biggest problem. As much as we hear about all these weapons, and you know Freeman and Jones and Matt Ryan. So, I mean, are you on the same page here? What do you think of Atlanta? I think they have some decent weapons there. With you know like some of the guys you just mentioned, Jones Sanu can make some plays. Uh, Devonta Freeman was what the leading rusher a couple of years ago. Tevin Coleman is a guy who can catch passes out of the backfield. They have some guys who can do different things. Taylor Gabriel, I know you had tweeted a stat today. He hasn't been having the same kind of year as he had last year, but you know he was a guy who did burn Leotis McKelvin for a long touchdown last year. So, I mean, they, they have some threats and some weapons, some guys who can do different things on this offense. I think you look at their offensive line. Uh, Alex Mack, obviously one of the best centers in the league, but they're weak at guard. Their guards aren't good. They're missing Andy Levitre. So that's a weakness that Eagles definitely need to expose and and get to Matt Ryan, who, you know, Matt Ryan having, I think, another good season for the most part, not clearly not the MVP season, but still he's a good quarterback in this league. And But at the same time, am I really scared of him? No, I'm not. And I think it's because he's not that kind of mobile guy who can get around and avoid pressure that you know, we saw with Russell Wilson and even, you know, there's other quarterbacks who can do that to some extent. I don't think he's that kind of guy. I think what we saw last year and last year's game, I know it's a different team. It's a different season, but really, I mean, you look at it like the Eagles are better and the Falcons are worse. And that doesn't mean the Eagles are guaranteed to win or anything, but I think they match up well against each other. I think that is something that carries over from last year. I think I look at how this defense should be able to pressure Matt Ryan and kind of force him either into some bad throws or just kind of, you know, really just limit what the Falcons can do from a big play perspective, maybe force him to kind of check it down more and kind of drive the field and kind of make them uh, make it so that the Eagles defense bends but doesn't break. I think that's that's what they did last year. That was a, a good formula to victory. Julio Jones had a lot of catches for uh, a good amount of yards last year, but he wasn't beating the Eagles defense badly. They were containing him and they were keeping his, everything underneath with him and his yards, you know, they, they didn't really serve as a function of how the, the Falcons were succeeding in that game. He was getting some yards, yeah, but it wasn't really accumulating to points. I mean, the Falcons only scored 15 points total against the Eagles last year. So I think, you know, the Eagles have some familiarity with this team. Uh, it's it's not the exact same, but I do think they, they can take some things from last year's game and apply it to this year. So I'm kind of interested to see if they'll do that. Well, yeah, because what you're looking at this year, it is it is one of those things. Julio Jones is a major factor still for the Falcons, and what they can do to limit him from breaking those big plays, it's going to be so important because especially watching that Rams game in the playoffs just last week, you saw them do a lot of interesting stuff with Julio Jones. You're seeing wide receiver screens where it's not just the wide receiver blocking. It's the tackle and the guard coming out to try to break a lane open for Julio. And he goes behind the formation and takes a handoff and goes around the edge. Like He's getting the ball in all of these different ways, and he's just so incredibly important to what they do. Uh, I, I did the numbers on this. Uh, he had 148 targets on the season, which is a ton. And 
it's twenty eight percent of the passes basically. So one out of more than one out of every four passes is going to Julio Jones. He's that important to the offense, and uh, and it's so important for the game plan of the Eagles here because you look at the corners and they've got to be able to limit Julio Jones on breaking those big plays because a lot of the stuff. Uh, it is those screens. It's a lot of stuff where you'll see him drag across the middle of the field and they just want to either pick a guy to get him open or just hope that he can beat his man across the field and, and they try to get him you know, extra yardage after the catch. Think of T.O. back in the day and what he used to do. So he is incredibly dangerous. They feed him the ball a lot. He's a freak athlete. And in terms of just production to go with the size and everything, he's really the ideal receiver. And so that matchup is incredibly important. And I guess the the question is, can Schwartz again come up with this scheme with better cornerbacks this year in, in Darby and Mills to get the job done? And for me, BLG, I feel confident enough in these guys that, that they can do it. How, what do you think? Well, yeah, that you said it just there, and I was going to bring that up. I mean, the cornerbacks are definitely better. You don't have... Leotis McKelvin and Nolan Carroll anymore. You have Ronald Darby, who, look, he's had some down moments, sure, the Giants game, but he also made a big play in that game. He also made a really big play in the Raiders game with that pick. I think Ronald Darby, for his faults, is still a pretty talented corner and a, overall a good cornerback and certainly better than the guys the Eagles had last year, so you have to feel good about having him because I don't think the Eagles are going to have someone's shadow uh, Julio Jones the way they did with Jalen Mills last year you know I think and and that might be a good thing because now you because you don't have to first of all when you're having Jalen Mills shadow a wide receiver I mean like you know Jalen Mills not a, a terrible season by any means but not not like he's not a guy who obviously a lockdown corner who you expect to travel with a top wide receiver every week so if you have to do that, you're not in a good situation. Unfortunately, again, that's not the situation the Eagles are in. And again, it's going to come down to pressure. I mean, that was so big in last year's game. I just think about how the Eagles were able to kind of create that uh, just that nuisance for Matt Ryan to deal with. The interior is especially going to be important in this game, just getting Matt Ryan off his spot. Big, big game uh, for Tim Jernigan and Fletcher Cox, those guys really just need to get in there on the inside. And it'll be interesting to see because Jim Schwartz usually really uses that heavy rotation on the D-line. But this is the playoffs now. I mean, you need to – Fletcher Cox needs to play more snaps and he needs to go all out and he needs to give this team everything he's got and be that guy who can kind of take over a game. I mean, we've talked about it before. This guy got paid – a lot of money, $100 million. He needs to be that impact player this weekend. And same thing with the whole defensive line, really. I mean, Brandon Graham, Vinnie Curry, and Chris Long, and Derek Barnett, we've seen those guys have great production this season. But, you know, it, it's going to need to be even taken up to another level. I think the Eagles really need to get, like, at least one strip sack in this game, especially if the offense is going to continue, continue to not be as reliable as you want it to be. So this is a big game for, for the defense as a whole, the defensive line. Again, I think Jim Schwartz did a great job last year really limiting this historic offense at the time that it was. And now it's going to be another game where Jim Schwartz is going to have to earn his paycheck. Well, yeah, and, and you're talking about the defensive line and the corners and all this stuff, and I'm I'm so with you on that. I think that's everything for this game, really. I mean, offense, like Eagles offense, Eagles defense, any matchup you want to come up with. I think it really comes down to the corners being able to contain Julio, and that's that's first and foremost. And then after that, what what happens is if you hold Julio Jones, and you saw it in the Rams game and, and through other games that Atlanta's played through this year, their offensive line does struggle against a good pass rush. And if the Eagles, that front four does its job, and, and that's it. It doesn't need to necessarily overperform. Uh, if they just do their, their typical job, they have all of these opportunities to create pressure. It just comes down to the secondary giving them that extra second or so to get there and really just hound Matt Ryan all day. The number of collapsed pockets that he was throwing into in that Rams game, it was it was amazing. He just constantly was able to work in traffic and get it done. But uh, the Eagles' pass rush is just as good as the Rams, if not better. And then you consider the other thing, the defensive ends in their play in general, not just as a pass rush, but as a run unit. And, and it's like if I had to pick a single player 
that was the player of the game in this one for me that I'm focusing on, it's Brandon Graham. Graham is the guy. Um, it's when you look at Atlanta. One of the one of the other things that I've noticed, and you mentioned this earlier, is the guard play, especially now that Lavitra is out, is. Uh, is that they don't have a strong interior running game, and they don't they don't do it often. As much as they have a fullback and he's out there enough, they, they don't do it a lot. They like running to the outside because Tevin Coleman is fast and Devontae Freeman is fast, and so if they can catch that edge, uh, they can be really deadly out there. So the thing is, Graham has been so consistent over the last couple of years against the run that... For him being there and being able to contain plays as well as he has, if he bottles up that running game and keeps them to the inside and they have to do something that they don't typically do or do exceptionally well, then uh, to me, BLG, like that really, it really comes down to, to Brandon Graham and Vinnie Curry. I think they're just massively, massively important. I think it goes to what Jim Schwartz is saying too this week in his press conference about the fans are going to have a big impact on this game. I mean, crowd noise really need it this week. You know, disrupt this Falcons offense, make them take a timeout on the first play of the game. You know, like totally get them off balance, get them into you know false starts, make them you know have to face longer situations to get a first down I mean I think that's going to be key in this one as well especially getting that pressure and kind of just rattling Matt Ryan I think if you I think that's a guy you know for as as the success he's had more so in the regular season really Matt Ryan but I think he's a guy you can rattle I do and I think you know if you if you follow this formula that the Eagles have had all season when it comes to stopping that run and they are the number one run defense that probably hasn't the run defense hasn't looked as good as it did earlier in the year but still overall I mean I still think it's a it's a pretty good run defense and I think they can stop this Falcons team from running the ball and force them to be one-dimensional and pass and if that's the case that plays into the Eagles hand because yes the Eagles have had some struggles when it comes to the slants as we all know and dear god I'm sure Julio Jones has seen that and the Falcons have seen that and they'll try to test the Eagles in that regard but you have this defensive line getting pressure and rattling Matt Ryan and the crowds getting loud. I mean, I, I just feel good. I feel good. I really do. I feel good about the defense going into this game. Watch me eat my words about that uh, <laughs> after Saturday. Hopefully not, but I, I do. I have confidence. That's the thing. Like That's the thing about this team right now for as much as we want to talk about Carson Wentz is down and and there's reasons to certainly believe they aren't going to win at all. I mean, the defense to me is what I feel good about right now, and especially going into this game on Saturday. Yeah, the defensive matchup is so good. Um, the other thing is, with that left-to-right stuff, the corners are good tacklers. The, the safeties are good tacklers. Your linebackers, for the most part, are pretty good. Uh, you wonder about Ellerbeek's. He's got the hamstring, and, and, so, and, and he's not that quick anyway. So getting left to right is a little issue, but yeah, the defensive matchup is is such a nice thing to have this year, and it's already been established that they're not an elite offense anymore. Uh, Matt Ryan, he's down five percentage points in completion from last year to this year. He's down 900 yards passing. He's down 18 touchdowns from last season. He dropped from 38 to 20. And in terms of interceptions, he's gone from seven last year to five this year. So with him being human again and the defense being so much more improved and being disciplined in the right areas and really talented in the right areas, I just, I love this matchup. And the fan element that you brought up there and the Jim Schwartz brought up is a really interesting thing. And I'd like to talk to you about that a little more because one of the curious things about it this week is... Uh, as much as Schwartz mentions the fans and home field and all that stuff, you also hear Chris Long talking about the fans and their impact on games. He, I think he says, if it's not an exact quote, it's pretty close, that the fans haven't won a game for anybody before. And uh, I, I completely disagree with that. Wasn't it just the Giants game where Eli Manning admitted that the, the Eagles fans helped yeah. cause that false start and, and win yeah. the game? Yeah. So the fans have obviously been a factor. Now, here's the reason i got to talk to you, because you're such a popular guy on Twitter. Obviously, you got like 10 billion followers, and I, I think that's an underestimate. Uh, I think it's 20, actually. 20 yeah. billion. Good for you, man. It just keeps growing. <laughs> uh, you have the entire population of China times 20. So um, <laughs> so for, if you don't follow Brandon, uh, you can follow him at Brandon Galton. So 
one of the things is I want to gauge just from you talking to people and being around people, like what is the energy level that you felt emotionally from Eagles fans in this game? Because obviously for the past couple of weeks, and it's it's killed me to a point, it's been a cemetery in this town, hasn't it? It's just like, oh, well, full sucks and Wentz is gone and the odds are bad now and the season feels over and, and it's just done. And uh, have you have you experienced any difference in the fan mentality over the last week? I think there's definitely been a lack of juice for sure. Uh, just from even just being you know in charge of the site and writing, there just haven't been a lot of interesting, overly interesting angles or or stories to write about. And the bye week didn't help with that because you know kind of just there's nothing going on really that week for the most part. So. Uh, I don't think that helped, but overall, I think it's, it's kind of shifting a little bit. I think people are adapting the me- the mentality that the team is seemingly adapting. That you know, I, I think Eagles fans are kind of getting pissed off that they're not being given a- their team at least isn't being given a chance. And I mean, I saw it today. It's it's ridiculous. Like the Eagles are only twenty three percent of the public is betting on the Eagles to cover. Not even you know, it's not even like just to win. That's like also like to cover and it's just like really i mean last week i was thinking about it today last week a lot of people were certainly taking the falcons to beat or sorry the rams to beat the falcons and now all of a sudden the falcons go out there and they win and it's a good win but it's like all of a sudden like they're like just this dominant team again and like they can't be beat like what's that i mean that's crazy uh i think the the team certainly feels disrespected. I mean, Fletcher Cox literally said that. You saw Lane Johnson say that he's tired of people treating this team like the Browns. Like these guys are pissed off. Nigel Bradham said that they do have signs in the Nova Care facility. I haven't seen them, but they're apparently there that say you know that remind the Eagles that they're home underdogs and not only home underdogs this week, but for the first time in NFL history the number one seed being a home underdog. I mean, this team, to me, and I think it's kind of bleeding over to, into the fan base a little bit, they feel disrespected, and they should. And they and I think they're, you know, this none of this matters if it doesn't show up on the field on Saturday, but I think they have every reason to play angry and motivated to prove people wrong in this one because they're being disrespected. And look, I'm not expecting them to be favored. They lost Carson Wentz. That's a huge deal. But to act like the Eagles have no chance in this game is pretty silly, especially when you consider the Falcons are coming in. They're the sixth seed again. They're not some juggernaut by any means. And the Eagles defense has played well at home. And Nick Foles, he's looked bad, sure. And I'm not confident in Nick Foles playing well. But has he done it in the past? Yeah, he has. So it's not impossible that he could do it again. So I think this is kind of like a slow build going into Saturday where it's kind of like there was this kind of apathy going on. You you described it as a cemetery. But now it's kind of like, wait a minute. We have a chance in this game. Why is everyone saying we don't have a chance at all? That's ridiculous. So I think that's where we're at right now. Yeah, it's this idea that... Uh, I think we got so excited, right, over the course of the year, and, and we're doing all these preview shows, and you're talking about all these bad teams, and it's just like, oh, yeah, who even cares? This is, you know, this is a game on cruise control. Like, we were so ridiculously spoiled with how good this team was that when the bubble pops and they get to this point where they're basically a wild card team that has home field advantage, it, it just felt... I don't know. It, it felt empty. It, and and seeing Nick Foles over the past couple of weeks, it's continued to feel empty, and there's been so much pessimism and negativity. And it is really nice at this point, because I know for me, at least, I, I've been that way. You know, I've been in the... Uh, if you have a conversation with someone like, oh, yeah, well, they have a shot, right? I mean, I guess technically, but really, they're screwed. You know, the season's over. I, I was that guy for a couple of weeks, and I'm at this point now where I just I look at this team and what they've done over the course of the year and how good the supporting cast has been around when it was Carson Wentz and how good the cast could be when used the right way around Nick Foles. And yeah, this is still a good team. And they still do have a shot. Like Atlanta is clearly overrated. They're living off a reputation that has that's coming off the worst choke job in history, maybe. And, uh, yeah, I just, like, my mentality's become positive enough at this point, and I I like how they match up in this game a lot, and we'll continue to talk about that on the offensive side of the ball in a couple of minutes. But 
uh, I'm glad that the fans are starting to get that way. I'm starting to see excitement for the game. People texting about parties. You know, you're seeing pump up videos going all around on Twitter. I I think people are starting to wake up, and that's that is important for the team because as much as you said a couple of minutes ago, Jim Schwartz in a press conference saying, "Hey, we need the fans out there. They're they're important, and they can help us win the game." He's 100 percent right. And if the fans go into that game with this morgue mentality of it's over and we're just here to lay flowers at the grave, then if the Eagles go down early or if they're just kind of flat early on, the crowd could get out of it. But I'm starting to feel that energy. And as we get closer and closer to game day, I think it continues to ramp up more and more. There's just this natural adrenaline. And it really could help swing the game. And, and for me, I'm, I'm buying the idea that the fans are jacked up. I expect them to be loud at this game. And have a real impact when it comes to uh, the fan element in a playoff home game. So, obviously, the team needs it, and I hope the the fans really are embracing the mentality as much as I perceive it to be out there. Now, the other thing is too, as much as the players are talking about the, being disrespected, and Schwartz is talking about uh, getting the fans involved in all this stuff. The, the other thing we have to talk about is Doug Peterson. Now, Doug Peterson. Uh, well, you can explain it best, BLG. In his last press conference, Doug Peterson made a bit of a statement, right? He was definitely in playoff mode. This wasn't the normal Doug Peterson, who's usually pretty friendly with the media, usually pretty honest, and I always think sometimes to a fault maybe. But uh, he wasn't giving any information away, which, you know, I think it's a little silly in the sense of, like, you can, okay, you're not commenting on injuries, but you're giving out an injury report a couple hours later, so it's not like making world's difference. But the tone he had and the message he came into that press conference was that he was all business. And I think you like to see it because Doug Peterson, you know, usually a little more loose than that, but he, I think he's tightening up. He's, this, this is a serious time. And look, you know, Doug Peterson did get a little more, he opened up a little more as that press conference went on. It wasn't all like that, but he, I think he started like that on purpose. And, Especially maybe, I think, factoring in last week when there was that whole thing with Nate Sudfeld and, you know, maybe he felt like the media took that away. He didn't want it to go, I'm sure, when he kind of – he didn't rule out ben, uh, benching Nick Foles for Nate Sudfeld at one point. So maybe that kind of factored in there too. But I think, you know, it was a different Doug Peterson and it just kind of plays into what we were just talking about. It's almost – a, uh, it's just a different thing going on with the team. We also seen stories about how Doug Peterson is having Eagles players who have won Super Bowl rings with other teams, such as Torrey Smith or Malcolm Jenkins, or or even a guy like Brent Selleck who hasn't won a Super Bowl ring but has been around in the league now for 11 years, kind of give talks to some of these younger players and kind of give or share their experiences and and share their mindset with those younger guys. So. I think that's the kind of emotional intelligence thing we're seeing with Doug Peterson. That was the selling point when Doug was hired. So good to see that. I think it's. Uh, I think if you're an Eagles fan, you have to feel like this team right now is going into Saturday's game with, and they're like, they're pulling out all the stops. They're asking for the fans. They're doing these little motivational techniques. Maybe it's a little gimmicky and it comes off that way, but I think they're at the point where they almost have to do that because they're not the true one seed in the sense of, you know, they're not the same exact team with Carson Wentz. They are down a big player, a big asset, they're a big reason why they went 13-3. and three. So I think when you can pull out these little extra stops, maybe that helps. At the very least, maybe it just makes you feel good at night that the Eagles went into this game doing everything they could to win it and really – kind of turning this into, for me at least, what would make this good and, and maybe why the juice is starting to get there for Saturday's game. I think I just want the Eagles to win a playoff game, man. Like, even if they win one, if you can guarantee me they win one and lose another, I think I'm okay. I think I'm really okay with that. Obviously, you want to see them go all the way. I mean, yes, that's the goal. But I think winning at least one would at least make this whole season hurt a little it would sting a little less you know the knowing that you lost Carson Wentz and you could have won the whole thing easily or at least you know they had a really good shot to do that and now that can't happen but like at least win a playoff game especially when everyone's counting you out yeah and and I love that Peterson is getting this team rallied to the point where they I feel pretty good about them going into this game 
And and it goes a lot to that idea of being an elite coach long term. It helps me feel like this isn't a mirage season from Doug Peterson as well, right? Because uh, as much as no one really talks about it, that is a fear you could have. He wasn't inc- like he was good last year, but he wasn't. Oh my God, great! And we've seen coaches have good seasons or really good seasons and and bottom out. Jack Del Rio last year goes twelve and four. This year he's fired. Last year Ben McAdoo's eleven and five, and he gets fired. And to see Peterson do this kind of thing where signs are up around the building and you can see a change in his demeanor and he is getting these leaders in the locker room and listening to the players, not just to get those guys to speak in front of the team, but the idea of being more physical. The players go to him and they feel comfortable going to him. And that's another important thing to say that, hey, we think we should be more physical. We want to hit in practice over these next two weeks. And Peterson's just like, yeah, let's do it. I'm, let's go, man. So to have all of that sync up, it, it makes me feel just so much better about Peterson going forward. And uh, you know what it reminds me of in a way? I don't want to over-exaggerate too much here, but did you read that Patriots piece that came yeah. out? Yeah. So it, the piece is amazing and a lot of fun. If you haven't read it, it's on ESPN. Go check it out. But... Uh, one of the things that I loved from that article was Bill Belichick against the Jets, who he absolutely hates and I think is hilarious. He decided that when the game was cold, he got his uh, he got his like field crew to put thermometers up outside of the Jets' locker room to psych them out a little bit about, oh my God, it's really cold. What are we going to do? And so that those kinds of little things to manipulate a team, and, and not that Peterson's on that level, but to come up with these tricks right now to get this team in the mindset of, hey, we are being disrespected and we are being treated like the Browns. Whether it's true or not, uh, it doesn't matter. The, the thing is, they feel that way. And you can get that energy and translate it into a burst that leads to a win or maybe two wins. And and if you're, if you're in the Super Bowl, then hey, flip a coin and, and be happier there. So it's been a wonderful performance from Peterson to this point. And, and I really hope he wins this game. That, that's a big part of why I want to see this team win. It's, it's about the team and validating how good of the, of the supporting cast it is. And it's not just Carson. But it's also this idea of Doug Peterson and him being a really good coach because you see Sean McVay, who's got a fully healthy team, he loses to the Falcons at home. And for Peterson to not have Wentz and have Atlanta here, that same matchup that the Rams have, and win the game would just be, wouldn't it just be so much fun, BLG? It's it's driving me crazy, this whole Sean McVay thing. And just, just knowing he's probably going to be the coach of the year when it's just like, you just said it there and I didn't even think about that. Imagine Doug Peterson wins more games than Sean McVay. With less players, fewer players, because the Eagles had way more injuries. And then Sean McVay gets eliminated by the Falcons. And then let's say in this hypothetical here that Doug Peterson beats the team that eliminated the Rams. I know regu- the coach of the season is you know more about regular season. And I know coach of the year doesn't matter a ton. But like, come on. At that point, it's just like, how are you giving it to Sean McVay when Doug Peterson is clearly like there's things you can clearly put him over Sean McVay. So I, I do think your point to Doug being a good coach is certainly, you know, look, again, NFL year-to-year league, like you said, we still have to see. But there's been so many encouraging things with Doug. You have to feel good about him. I think that's kind of an underrated takeaway from this season. I think the main takeaway from the season is that the Eagles have a potential MVP candidate at quarterback, and that's awesome. But they also have – a pretty good head coach too and you can argue you know who makes who out of that but I think Doug Peterson is doing enough things on his own merit such as the things we're seeing this week or his aggressive play calling his decisions to go for on fourth down I mean you can't just say Carson Wentz makes him entirely because Doug Peterson is doing some of those things on his own so you have to feel good about that and then just to your point here about getting a, a playoff win I mean Vince, do you know the last time the Eagles won a playoff game? Do you remember? Oh, my God. Uh, I want to say, are we talking like the 2008 run? 2000. It was 2008 season. So it was actually January 11th, 2009, when they beat the Giants. And so it's almost been 10 years. Like, just get a win. Just get the monkey off the back. It would be so nice to just do that and actually have a win here. And then again, just kind of looking back on this season in if you're looking back on it like in, in years in the future and you can be like yeah that's the season we lost Carson Wentz and that sucked 
we didn't win it all, but hey, at least we won a playoff game. It wasn't a total disaster. It wasn't like we just went into the first round and got our butts kicked despite being the number one seed. So you got to get this win on Saturday. Yeah, and and here's the thing: we've gone at this point through we've gone through the matchup against the the defense and the offense and uh, versus the Falcons offense, and and we've gotten this far into the show, and I haven't said a curse word yet, BLG. Uh, and, and excuse me for a second, I am about to curse. Nick Foles. Um, so, oh, my God. <laughs> so we haven't mentioned him really much at all yet in this show. Now, Good. N- here's the question, because that's the thing that's holding everybody back, whether it's locally or nationally. Uh, anybody who's talking about the team in one of the first two or three sentences about this game, you're going to hear about Nick Foles. So in terms of game planning and actual impact on the game, uh, the honest thing that we we got to find out here is, and, and I'd love to hear your opinion first, is, how much of a factor is Nick Foles actually going to be in this game? Oh, well, y- here we go. Now, now you made me talk about Nick Foles. <laughs> um, yeah, it's again, w- I feel really good about this defense. I, I think I feel pretty much the opposite about Nick Foles. He's just looked so bad the past two games. I know people say that people make excuses. They do. They say, all right, the Eagles weren't showing everything in these final two games. They weren't going all out. Maybe Doug Peterson was being a little vanilla. I mean, maybe to an extent you can sell me on that, but, I mean, he's missing wide-open receivers. Like He's just missing throws that are there to be made. And you can say, oh, well, he would have made the Torrey Smith throw and that would have been a touchdown, blah, blah, blah. Look, man, he still forced a bad interception. Like That happened, too. So I get it. You know, maybe Nick Foles can play better. I'm not ruling it out. I just don't feel great about it. And I think in this game, for the Eagles to have a chance to win, I don't think it's the conventional wisdom of that he just needs to, you know, not lose them the game and and not turn the ball over. I mean, yeah, ideally, yes, that'd be great. The the in a perfect world, the Eagles can just run the ball. And I, I do hope they run the ball a lot, especially with Jay Ajayi, because I think that's a great way to beat this team. And we saw it when the Eagles beat the Falcons last year. But the reality to me is that it's not going to be easy. It probably won't be easy. This Falcons defense, they're playing well. There's talent on that side of the ball. And I think they're going to kind of lock down some of the underneath passing game there with Zach Ertz and Nelson Aguilar. I think you know they're gonna. the Falcons are probably going to dare Nick Foles to beat them on the outside with Torrey Smith. And uh, Alshon Jeffrey and Foles hasn't been able to do that yet, and I think that's a, it's, he's going to need to at some point. If this offense is just bogged down, he just can't be Mister Conservative, and he can't play scared. Because let's be honest about it, he's been playing scared. He really has been, or at least it's looked that way. He's not aggressive at all. His longest pass attempt, I think, and since taking over as a starter was 32 yards, and that was a swing pass to Jay Ajayi, so it was a catch and run. His longest attempts in the other two games, in the Raiders game, it was 25. In the Cowboys game, he didn't play a lot, but it was only 15. He's not moving the ball down the field. This is a guy who described himself literally as a gunslinger in his first press conference since taking over for Carson Wentz. And we've seen Nick Foles be aggressive, and we've seen it pay off, I think, back to when the Eagles were playing the Giants uh, earlier this season, and Foles was in there. And Alshon Jeffrey gets that red zone touchdown. That was set up because Foles took a shot down the field and Torrey Smith drew pass interference. That's something that Torrey Smith can do well. For as many faults as Torrey Smith has or has, and he has not played well for the for the most part, he's able to at least get deep and sometimes draw those pass interferences. We've seen it happen. And I think that's what we need to see more. We need to see some shots down the field. I know Alshon Jeffrey isn't going to get separation, but like oh, okay, that's Yes, we know that. We already knew that coming in. He's not a guy who does that. He's a guy who, in theory at least, should be able to win you a jump ball, and Nick Foles has to give him that chance. I was just talking about the pass interference to Torrey Smith, the drive that everyone loves to talk about. Which, oh, boy, the Foles <laughs> left the field with the lead. I mean, that drive was set up because he just chucked the ball deep to Deshaun at one point, and Keenan Lewis, or whoever it was at the time, committed pass interference, and that pretty much set them up in really good field position. So you have to take shots. You can't just be super conservative the whole game. I know people want to 
think, you know, oh, well, you can't do that because Nick Foles is going to turn the ball over and lose you the game. Yeah, but, like, if the offense is just so bogged down and they're not able to move the ball and they haven't been very well, they haven't been converting third downs, I mean, you need to get chunks of yards because, look, if you're not converting third downs and the offense isn't humming, you know, like, you're not going to just be able to dink and dunk your way down the field. You're going to have to take a big shot at one point and maybe Torrey Smith, and Alshon Jeffrey haven't given you the most in that sense this year, but you know you you have to take a shot. That's that's how I feel about Foles. I think he I agree with the Eagles coaching staff when they said he needs to play more aggressive. That's what I want to see. I don't want to see a player who's scared back there. Yeah, and that's part of it. You've got to you've got to at least show Atlanta that you're gonna. Th- and I would like to see them go deep early in this game, very early yep. in the game, just to be like, hey, you know what? We're putting everything on the line today, and we're going for it. So you are gonna have to worry about the deep ball. So prepare for it. Now, uh, Foles and, and whether or not he can hit it is a different thing. But I will say that one of the things that I've noticed watching Atlanta. And it is tough because their defense is really good. They're, I would say they're a top 10 unit just in the NFL in general. And one of the better defenses left in the playoffs. So you're looking at Atlanta. They're a team that they're so quick, uh, very athletic as a unit. And they're not, they don't have a serious Achilles heel in any way. It's not like they're a good run defense and just the crappiest pass defense you've ever seen. Like they were last year. They were really lousy pass defense. Uh, they're pretty good across the board this year. And so you're, it's hard to find these easy things to beat them uh, that the Eagles have. But I will say one of the things they, it, they've appeared to struggle with over the season is some of the bigger wide receivers. Uh, I've seen Mike Evans, for example, have some pretty good games against the Atlanta Falcons. And so Alshon and uh, Nick Foles, they got to make this thing work. And that's been it's been tough because as much as you want to say that and just wish it into existence, the thing is Foles isn't really throwing them the ball at all. So they have to make that connection work. And at least Jeffrey's capable of going up and getting those jump balls. And Foles, the way he throws it, he's got this sort of softer, arching long ball to his game. Um, <laughs> that's it's, a nice way to put it, right? Like he he throws. I don't know. It's it's like he the, just throws up. Yeah, it's like the football Floats is up there. It, it's fluffier. The football. It just it's he's throwing a pillow, and it just ah like very very softly falls down, and so. Jeffrey's got opportunities to make those kinds of plays. I think in the past game, he is incredibly important, and they got to find ways to get him the ball uh, and do it early. And then the other thing is, uh, one of the things that seemed to have beaten Atlanta pretty well is speed on the outside. And so when I'm looking at this, Torrey Smith deep, for the like you said before, getting pass interference calls and stuff, that's definitely something you want to try. And... Uh, any way you can, I want the ball in Aguilar's hands. I, I think he is huge in this game if the Eagles want to do something here because having that speed, like Atlanta is, if you look at the numbers, they're really actually incredibly impressive when it comes to big plays. Defensively, whether it's against the run, they don't allow runs really over 20 yards. They don't allow. They definitely don't allow them over 40. Uh, passing game, they're one of the best teams in limiting plays uh, under 40 yards, and they're pretty darn good as maybe top 10 as well in, in passing plays over 20 yards. They really limit teams. So with all that together, you need opportunities to break something. And a guy that's been able on occasion to get shorter plays and bust them deep has been Aguilar. And so uh, if you can't get Jeffrey going, you absolutely have to get Aguilar going here, whether it's screen passes like Atlanta likes to do offensively a lot or quick slants or pick plays, whatever it has to be. I I think he needs to touch the ball and, and touch it a lot. What do you think? I think, yeah, I mean, I think that'd be just his ability to get yards after the catch could be big in this one. I think getting that passing game going could or at least should help the run here. I mean, I would, again, ideal world, but I don't know if it's realistic because, you know, if you're the Falcons, you know the Eagles are going to try to run the ball, or at least they should, and you should sell all out to stop it because you're not scared of Nick Foles based on the way he's played, especially you're not – you know, you're, you should be selling out to stop the run and make life hard on Nick Foles. Like, that's what I'd be doing if I was attacking a Nick Foles-led team. So, I mean, I would love to see this run game get going, and I I really hope they try. They better try. I mean, you have you got, you got traded for Jay Ajayi. Use him. 
He's only had what's his his most carries in a game this year has been like sixteen or fifteen. I mean, like, I'm not trying to pigeonhole them into a certain number, but you would at least like like to see him get to that twenty mark and handle that big workload, especially because he's been productive when they've run the ball. I mean, that's that's been a thing. It's not like he's just been this unproductive player. He's been good. So give him those opportunities, create you know opportunities for this offense. And Ajayi is a big play threat as well. That's what we've seen at times. So uh, I know the Falcons haven't been giving up those big plays, but I would, you know, I would love to see that. And we saw Todd Gurley at, was averaging what, like seven, seven point something yards per carry against this Falcons defense. So it's not like they're super awesome at at stopping the run. And I think this Eagles offensive line, you know, we we kind of they don't get enough credit maybe at this point in the season. Like it's almost like we've forgotten about them a little bit. With Wentz going down, it's like, you know, Brandon Brooks, that's a pro bowler right there. Same thing with Lane Johnson, also made the all-pro team. Same thing with Jason Kelsey. You know, this, and then Wiz is back now, which is great because he missed a couple games after getting hurt in the Rams game. So you have him back. I mean, I want to see this team run the ball. As much as you, you know, you want to get Aguilar and these receivers involved for sure, and I don't think you can just completely ignore the passing game. I mean, the running game, this is the time to really turn it on. And I know... It's kind of like I don't fully expect that to happen because they've been so balanced, and I just don't fully expect things to change like that. But I I, I can't help but think back to last year when the Eagles went heavy on the run with Ryan Matthews and they ran all over that Falcons team, and it was a great blueprint to beating them because they controlled the clock. They didn't let that Falcons offense hold the ball. Instead, the Eagles did, and they just kind of ran all over him and, and made it easy. The Eagles made life easy on themselves in that one. So I would love to see them try to replicate something like that again. Yeah, and, and the running attack, and, and that's why I think the the Nick Foles factor is a little overplayed in this game, and, and part of why I like the Eagles as much as I do in this one is the ground attack because it's a couple of things. Uh, I, I got a couple of spicy nuggets for you here, BLG, all right? Get ready Ooh. for this. So first off uh, – in the six losses that the the uh, the Falcons have this year, they've lost to the Panthers, the Vikings, the Saints, the Patriots, and the Bills. Those are five of the six losses. All of them top ten rushing teams. Eagles top ten rushing team. And in those games, Atlanta was given up over a hundred yards, basically in all of them except the Saints game. So uh, the run game can work, and and it has proven to work against Atlanta. The six team that beat the Falcons is the Dolphins. Jay Ajayi was on the Dolphins at that time. (laughs) He had 26 carries for 130 yards with a long of 18. So that's the kind of thing that you want to see from Ajayi. Uh, And I don't expect him, like in certain games, we've seen him have those 40-yard runs. I think that just by nature of his speed, which is kind of capped off. If I was to rate him in Madden, he's probably something like an 87 speed. You know, he's not that elite top-end guy. Uh, I don't expect him to get 20-yard carries, but if he can get 15-yard carries, a a couple of those, I feel like they're in great shape, and and it has worked already this year in beating Atlanta. Here's the other thing for you, and and I, I think this is incredibly interesting because when you're talking about Atlanta, I would say their best defensive quality is speed. They're just they're constantly swarming on every single play and they're whether it's you know getting to the sidelines or uh pursuing after a run beats them on the edge, you get the defensive linemen coming back and making plays. They're just they're so fast and active. But one of the things that you sacrifice or Atlanta has chosen to sacrifice is size at the linebacker position. So dig this, right? Vic Beasley uh is is technically an outside linebacker for them. He's 6'3", 246. Uh, You've got Devondre Campbell, who is 6'4", 232. And their middle linebacker, middle linebacker, Deion Jones, 6'1", 222. He's tiny. And and overall, their linebacking core is tiny. LeGarrette Blunt himself... 250 pounds. Like he's he is heavier than every linebacker that they have on their team that's starting. And Brandon Brooks, he's he's 340. Lane Johnson is 300 pounds. And so one of the big advantages that I think the Eagles have is the ability to run to the right side of the field if they really 
consistently just hammer the ball and try to tire these linebackers out, wear them out over the course of the game. Ajayi, 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 blunt, Ajayi, Ajayi, blunt, blunt, blunt. You know, you can really, you can grind these guys out. And so strategically, offensively, I I don't think this is a game where uh, you know, like we've said, you're not expecting big plays. You hope for some big plays, and there's uh, there might be an opportunity for a big play here or there. But this is such a war of attrition kind of game for me. I, I if I'm the Eagles, I just pound the ball so much and so often that you, you play patience and you hope that as the game wears on, you're going to accept punts. You play field position. You lean on the defense, and later in the game. As the run starts to break them down a bit, you can do some no-huddle stuff. You can do some play action, maybe a play that uh, they haven't put on tape before. And then you can go and score a touchdown or two and and really lock this thing up. But, yeah, the run game, I I just pile up all of those different things. And I got to tell you, BLG, I feel wonderful about the odds of the run game in this one. Yeah, I feel good about that. And in fairness, I mean, Deion Jones... Really good player, man. That guy, that guy is good. I think if Dion, I think if the Falcons hold on and win the Super Bowl last year, I think more people know who Dion Jones is because he was having a heck of a game early in that game, and then you know the Falcons just fell apart. But that guy is really talented. Uh, again, I know he's on the smaller side, but he's going to be a problem in coverage, especially working over the middle of the field with Zach Ertz and Aguilar and some of those things going on there. But yeah, I mean, again, I'm with you. I want to run the ball. I want to see that happen. Um, definitely more Jai than Blunt. I just think Blunt hasn't given this team a lot recently. I mean, you can mix him in there and see what he's got, but if it's not there, I mean, you can't just for- I think with him, you can't force it. Like, if it's not there with LeGarrette Blunt, don't force it. If it's not there with Jay Ajayi, keep giving him opportunities because he's probably going to run tough and break one. Uh, and or and if you have to get him involved in the screen game or passing game a little bit, I think we've seen that start to come on a little more. And that's encouraging. And, and Corey Clement, too. I mean, we can't forget about him. Corey Clement has been productive when his number is called. So really, there's good reason to get the, all of these backs. Or, 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 I mean, not to the extent of where it's been. Because, again, I want them to lean heavily, heavy, more heavily upon Jay Ajayi. But I, you got to get these guys involved. And I think this is the week, <laughs> if there's ever a week for it, and we haven't really seen it. If there's a trick play the Eagles have or two, I mean, this is the week to bust it out, man. Especially... I guess it depends on how the game is going. If the Eagles are moving the ball offensively well, which I don't expect, but if they are, then then you don't need to. But if this is a game where, you know, your life is on the line, you're in the playoffs. This is a must-win game, obviously, and the offense is struggling. They got to break out some kind of trick play in this one. I would love to see that. It's time. They haven't done it this season, so I don't know what that. I don't know what that consists of. I was thinking earlier today, like maybe that's something weird, like Mac Hollins throwing a pass. Like I don't know, but. It could be the time to do that. It's This is the time to get creative. It's a big game for Doug Peterson in that regard. I'm not saying he has to like start running the wildcat offense or do something crazy, but wouldn't be the worst idea. No, that wouldn't be good. Um, I, I think uh, it's a big game, and I, and I do think if they can get this run game going, maybe that's when you can get that big play to Alshon Jeffrey or Torrey Smith, and you set up that play action and might make life easy on Nick Foles because if we want to talk about Nick Foles' past success and how his numbers have been good in the past. I mean, 2013, and was you know the the reason why he had success that year, a large part was because Sean McCoy was leading the league in rushing, and the Eagles had such a rushing threat. And there was other things that went into that year, obviously, with Chip Kelly's scheme and and just you know having all those skill players with Deshaun there and all of that going on. But the run game was heavily important to his success. I always say it was heavily important to Dak Prescott's success last year. You saw how the impact that could have on him in a given year compared to this year especially. So it would be big for this team if they can get that going. And again, this Falcons defense, I just think it's not, it's not you know, there's talent there. There's The coaching is certainly, I don't think, is terrible defensively, but... There's going to be opportunities for this offense to do to do something. You know, they they shouldn't this shouldn't be a game where you know they're getting shut out or something like that. I know it's Nick Foles, but there's going to be opportunities at some point. Yeah, and the other thing is Atlanta isn't an opportunity team themselves. They only have eight interceptions on the year. Uh, they don't force a lot of fumbles. So in terms of turnovers, they don't turn the ball over themselves either. But 
they don't generate many. And the Eagles' defense, as we've seen all throughout this year, electric sliding and all that kind of stuff, they've been really good at turning the ball over, had some touchdowns and things. So uh, in terms of the turnover battle, you definitely, even if Nick Foles plays a bad game, the defense is clearly capable. Five turnovers and a half It just in the Oakland game. That doesn't get talked about enough. I think that's so incredible. Uh, that They have that opportunity to keep themselves in this game and win this game based on the turnover battle. Now, one last thing here I want to get to, because this is a story that started to creep out uh, today as we're recording this, and it's something that is getting a little bit of play, and it's the idea that Matt Ryan missed practice today, and it, it was for some personal reason. Now, for me, uh, if you're asking, hey, is this a big deal? I say no, but this does, does this mean anything to you? No, I... I... Didn't get. I was kind of trying to look into it just based on like what's going on. That it sounded like it might have been a family thing. I wasn't completely sure. So uh, he didn't really get into it when he returned to practice. Kind of didn't want to talk about it, which you know it's a personal thing. I don't blame him. But uh, no, I think the Falcons as a whole actually are pretty unusually healthy for this late in the season. I mean, they they obviously lost some of their. their they lost Andy Levitre, so they're they're dealing with some season long injuries there, but. Julio Jones isn't practicing, but he's going to play. I mean, all these other guys are mostly good to go. So uh, it's it's the same case for the Eagles, though, for the most part. I know LRB has been limited in practice, but he should be ready to play. And then Sidney Jones was on the injury report today with a hamstring injury, but I think he'll be fine, too. So for the most part, I think both of these teams are going at it with all the guys they have in their 53-man rosters. Yeah, so... With that, uh, knowing that the teams are healthy and and what kind of game this is going to be, let's go to the picks, BLG. Hit me! It's time to ring the bell and play some bets. Hey, I don't want your money punching my money. Here come our NFL picks. Here comes the money. Here we go. Money talks. Here comes the money. And the picks are brought to you by the Sportsbook at Delaware Park. It's where you could wager and watch all of the pro football games on Saturday and Sunday. Go to DelawarePark.com for more details. Delaware Park is a lottery agent for the Delaware Lottery. Must be 21 to play. So let's start with the AFC. We're going to run into the most anticipated game. Okay, maybe not of the playoffs. That would be the Tennessee Titans going into New England and playing the Patriots. They are minus 13 and a half, those Patriots, and that might not be enough for me, BLG. More people are betting on the Titans to cover <laughs> than are, that are betting on the Eagles. My God, week, that's crazy. It's insane to me, man. I mean, come on. But anyway, as far as this game goes, yeah, I don't, I don't know how you can take the Titans here. I think... You know, they were down big in that game to the Chiefs. I know they came back and they ended up winning, but, like, yikes. I don't feel great about that. And the Patriots, they're going to be pissed off, man. They had that ESPN article come out. They're going to want to win this one and say, screw you to the rest of the league and, and everyone. So I have to take the Patriots here. I know it's a lot of points, but what what would make me feel good about, the, like, taking the, the Titans? I just, I can't. <laughs> yeah, I can't either. Uh, I, I thought Tennessee was a bad team going into the playoffs. And uh, as much as they had a surprising and fun comeback win over the Chiefs, yeah, they're, they're getting their heads smacked in in this one. I, I just don't see it being a game. Now, uh, next up, we've got what I think is an interesting game. You've got Jacksonville going to Pittsburgh. Now, Pittsburgh is minus 7.5. Your thoughts? Oh, man, that is interesting. That's too big of a line, honestly, <laughs> for for you know a team that went in there earlier this season and smacked Pitts or uh, yeah the Jags went into Pittsburgh and totally just smacked them around what did Ben Roethlisberger throw in like he had like five five interceptions, five interceptions in that game he yeah. actually I after mean, that game was like I don't know if I have it anymore or something like that like yeah. he, had a, he had an existential crisis yeah and I don't think it's going to be quite like that and man Blake Bortles just oh my god just so brutal watching him against the Bills um I think I'm going to actually take Pittsburgh here because I, I, I know that the Jags defense is good and I know that they beat them last time. I just, I don't see it happening again. I don't. And especially just with Blake Bortles playing the way he is. I mean, 
you know, he could easily throw. I said it last week, and this is why I, I couldn't take the Jags to cover minus nine. I mean, he could easily throw a pick six or two, and then you have some points right there. So that's a big line. I don't feel great about it because I'm not like the biggest believer in Pittsburgh. But I think a lot of people are just going to be like, oh, yeah, the Jags beat the the Steelers in Pittsburgh earlier. So here they can do it again. It's that simple. I don't think it's that simple for me. I don't feel great about this one. I don't feel awesome. But I'm going to take Pittsburgh and just hope that uh, they can get it done at home. I know Ben Roethlisberger's splits, for the most part, outside of that Jaguars game, are much better at home than the road. So I'm going to kind of – that's where I'm putting my trust in with this one. All right. For me, hot take, Jacksonville wins. Um, Outright. Outright. They win. And uh, Antonio Brown isn't as healthy as they thought. Jags shut him down. Then it becomes a totally different game. Uh, I'm, I, I know Bortles sucks. I don't care. They won, I think he threw 95 yards the last time that they played in Pittsburgh and won that game. So, yeah, I, you know what? Fuck it. I'm going with Jacksonville. I hope they win. It'll be a ton of fun. Now, uh, let's go to the NFC where we have the Saints going to Minnesota. A really, obviously, important game for the Eagles. Minnesota minus three and a half. Who are you taking? I'm going to take the Vikings, actually. I know the Saints are going to probably be a popular pick, especially with the points there. But I think the Vikings defense, we talk about this Eagles defense playing well at home. I think the Vikings defense is playing pretty well, and I think they play pretty well at home. And I know we all say, like, Case Keenum, you know, you don't feel so great about him, but he's been playing well. At least he has, you know, he's not, He I think towards the end of the season, trailed off a tiny bit there. So not awesome, but I still think, you know, uh, I, I feel good enough about the Vikings where I'm going to take them there. The Saints, they're, they're a very good team. Don't get me wrong. But they're not like that elite. They're, they're not that just like they could have put the – they had a chance to put the Panthers away is what I'm trying to say. And they didn't. They, they let them back into that game. I think that defense, that New Orleans defense is much improved, but it's still a little suspect in some regard. So I think the, uh, the Vikings are going to be able to move the ball and I think they're going to play defense, and I think it's going to be an Eagles-Vikings, potentially, NFC Championship game. Well, you know, I, I, I don't know what it is, but I just love New Orleans, and I, I think they've just been so much fun, and last week they had the change. The way Mike Lombardi always says it, I listen to his podcast a lot, he talks about playing left-handed, and they had to go from being a running team right-handed to a passing team left-handed and having that flexibility. Uh, I know they lost to the Vikings at the beginning of the season, and at that time you have Adrian Peterson on the team and stuff. I, I just feel like they're a different team. They've grown. I, I respect the Vikings a ton, and I understand why they're favored, but something about it just says New Orleans to me, and I'm going to go with them winning it outright too. I'm just feeling it this week, BLG. So, uh, screw it. Now, let's go to the game that we've been talking about for the past hour. You have the Atlanta Falcons coming into Philadelphia, a team that thinks they're an underdog, and with good reason. They got signs in the building. They're getting the fans jacked up. Jim Schwartz is calling for them to show up and be loud about it. So with all of these factors, Nick Foles going into this game, the Falcons are giving three points to the Philadelphia Eagles, and your pick is? It's just ridiculous to me, man. Like... That's three points. Like, to me, this game, when I think about this game, I think at at worst almost through the Eagles, it's going to be a three-point loss. Like that's kind of like a realistic – I mean obviously it can get worse than that, but I just think like that would be something that could happen. And at that point, it's a push. So like how am I not going to take the points if I think that's one on one of the worst ends of the spectrum here for this one? They're at home. They're going to be pissed off because everyone's doubting them. They have something to prove for sure. I don't feel good about Nick Foles. I do feel pretty good about the defense. I love taking the points here. I think it's almost a no-brainer, really. Yeah, I, I take the Eagles in this one, and I think they win this game as well. So I, I've got three games this week where I'm not only going against the spread, but I'm just saying outright the underdog wins. So uh, I think this game is an ugly one. Like I said, I, I think the Eagles run it a ton, and it's just an eventually break-their-will kind of game. Uh, the defense should do their job shut Atlanta down. The matchups are there. So I look at this one, and I think this is the ugly but thrilling score of 16-13. to 13. Uh, The Eagles win a field goal fest at home, and it's ugly, but it is a playoff win, and they go to the next round. So uh, 
with that, you have you have any final thoughts you'd like to get out there, BLG, before we wrap up the show? Win. <laughs> Simple, effective, and and I like it. Uh, a curious thing for me, I just want to say some interesting, fun things that, that Atlanta might do real quick. One is they run the Wildcat with Muhammad Sanu, and I think that's just interesting and stupid and fun. I don't know if it's really going to get them anything, but I think it's funny that they do it. And they also have a uh, a line uh, a uh, defensive lineman in Dantari Poe playing fullback from time to time. So there's weird... And quarterback. No, I was thinking yeah, that, that would be awesome. That would be so great. Uh, so, Dantari Poe, yeah. So, you're, you're going to see some weird stuff in this game, and with the Eagles probably throwing some odd, you know, junk pitches, if you will, out there. I, I, it's just going to be a weird game to watch. And part of that, as much as it's ugly football, I get geeked up for it. So, just expect it to be weird this week. Just ride the weirdness wave and, and have fun with this one, man. It's going to be a lot of a lot of joy in this game, man. I'm, I'm so geeked up. So, with so I have one more thing. Yeah, yes. go ahead. Before go we ahead. wrap up, uh, no WIP show, I want to say, this week. Because uh-huh. obviously the game is on Saturday. But Eagles, BGN Radio, tailgate, pregame, you got to be there. Jetro lot starting at 1 o'clock. So definitely go to that. Yeah, so make your way on down to the pregame show in the lot. Uh, I've been there a couple of times. It's a blast. So if you want to keep up with us, obviously you can follow BGN Radio at BGN underscore radio. You can follow me, Vince Quinn, at It's Vince Quinn. And you can follow BLG at Brandon Galton. So thanks for listening to the show. We hope you would enjoyed it. And go birds! Stretch your hand and I'm going to chop it off. I dare you ask for a favor from your boss's boss. Shrimp, scampi, angel head noodles, white wine sauce. Rwanda and the Ross, reload the Nina Ross. Settle metal when I'm focused on the green Dinero. Hocus pocus, Gucci Lopez, cake with bacon soda. Cake for soldiers moving weight from Maine to Nova Scotia. Bang revolvers, problem solvers, adding pain to mothers. Lost a child, clips from play when they hear Belial. Nightmares, walking dead cause they sleep dead. You either sheep or shit, be scared and cut to pieces. I lust for custom coops with the honey mustard features. Butterfly doors, a whore that makes wine or sober. Her beauty stunning, plus she funny, that's the proper order. Head nods and cat calls, cuz it's pops in order. Yeah, I'm stuntin' all the world is my stage show. Dallas streets cruising around about four.